we look back at our legacy at like these big, big moments, when in reality, our legacy is in all of these little, 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 little days that make us like who we are today and who we remember each other as. Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to Brown People We Know, an interview show where we explore the non-traditional paths and shared experiences of the South Asian American diaspora. My guest this week is Shivani Bafna. After graduating from the University of Michigan, go blue, Shivani moved to Mumbai and hustled her way into a position with the Asian Variety Show, where she served as a Bollywood TV host. She's done some major, major interviews, including with Varun Devan, Ananya Pandey, and Shah Rukh Khan. Don Kopakar, never mind, sorry. (laughs) We talk about the messy moments moving to Mumbai and how it felt to pursue an unstable career right out of college when her friends were headed to more typical corporate careers. Shivani vlogged her entire journey, making it as a Bollywood TV host, and she's been on Instagram since 2014. So it's no surprise that she's made it big as an influencer today. You may have seen her viral engagement video on YouTube, which is sitting at a pretty 7.5 million views. I'll link to it in the show notes on the website in case you haven't. But today, Shivani is translating her influence into entrepreneurship through ventures such as Bafna Agency and Behind Every Dream. We talked about the pressure or the lack thereof to maintain an image as an influencer and why Shivani ultimately decided to leave Bollywood, come back to the US and take the entrepreneurial route that she's pursuing today. Enjoy this episode. Shivani Bafna, welcome to Brown People We Know. Shivani, I wanted to start this podcast with two words. Go blue. Completely agree. I'm a fellow Michigan alum. So I just wanted to start by asking how someone lives in Ohio for 10 years and then winds up in Michigan. (laughs) My dad also went to the University of Michigan. So we definitely had that kind of culture in our home. We would always be the only ones at the party that would be supporting Michigan. But listen, I've always been about going against the grain. So you pretty much grew up in the Midwest, 10 years in Indiana, 10 years in Ohio. Have you always had a strong relationship with Indian and Marwati culture? Or was your tie-in primarily through Bollywood? So I would say I was very privileged growing up. My parents would emphasize taking a yearly trip to India, spending, you know, my summers in Jaipur at my Nana Nani's house, making sure we were there for all of our extended family's weddings so that we would know who our cousins are, know more about like the food and the culture. So I would say that was one aspect of it. And then secondly, living in West Lafayette, Indiana, my mom was very, very active in our, you know, Indian community. And it was small. Maybe there were like 30 families. I don't even know if there were like, it was a very small community, but making sure that we had annual, you know, holy shows, Diwali shows, that we were dancing, that we kind of took part in bringing that community together. I think in that sense, it was cool because sometimes in bigger cities, we see within Marwari, Gujarati, Punjabi, Bengali, like everyone kind of separates. But in Indiana, because we were such few Indians in totality, everyone really came together for these festivals. And um, I owe a lot of that to my mom. That's super interesting because what I've found generally is that 
you know, your grandparents immigrated here. And what I've seen is like by two generations out, the culture really starts to dilute. Like people start to lose kind of their South Asian side. But I know you speak Hindi really well. You've retained a love for chai. You spent six years as a Kathak dancer. You've done your research, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm also curious, like in terms of retention, how much you feel has been a result of the things that your parents have done versus your own personality and maybe like a natural gravitation towards Indian culture? Oh, yeah, of course. I think it's definitely a mix of the two. And I sometimes joke, I look at myself versus my brother and we were raised in similar environments. But like, no doubt, I think I took a liking more to the dance, the Bollywood, the music, the dressing up, like that aspect of culture. I don't think that makes me any more Indian than trance is. But we took our, our likings to, you know, different aspects. And my parents aren't like that into Bollywood. It was never like in the car ride. We have to listen to Indian music. Like my parents have gone to American concerts because they were born and raised here, right? 100%. I think my own parents are sometimes like, how did we raise a child that like loves? But yeah, so to answer your question, I'd say it's a mix of both. What are some of the ways that your brother and, and you are different? Like, what are some of the ways that he's kind of retained it that you feel like you haven't? So again, I think it like begs the question, what does it mean to be Desi? What does it mean to be South Asian? What does it mean to be brown in 2021? Because if I look at my cousins in India and I look at us over here, I, I would say everything has changed. And it's no longer, oh, just because I did Kaptak for six years or just because I was on a Bollywood dance team in college for a year makes me more Indian than my brother who didn't. But I think it kind of begs the question about like values and morals and respect for grandparents and like quality time, family values together. I think there's so many levels to it. You know, taking care of your parents. I have friends that take care of their parents and grandparents financially, physically at this age. That's, I think, what it means. You know what I'm saying? I think it's, I think it's so layered. I love that. And so I guess I want to kind of focus a little more on Jainism, because I know your family is of the Jain faith and yes. you're not particularly religious, but it seems like your relationship with that has evolved over time. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So I think, again, growing up in the Midwest, we were put in like a generic Sunday school. It wasn't like particularly Jen because there was no there was like two Jen families where we lived, but like a generic, you know, Hindu Bala Gokulam, I think, was like the Sunday school's name. And then in Cleveland, we would, there there was a bigger gen community and we would go for the weekends. But it felt very like my mom's making me do this. Like, I don't like this. I don't like learning these mantras and shlokes and that kind of stuff. So it felt very forced. But at that age, my mom was like, these are non-negotiables. This is what we're going to do. And then I spent one summer in Mumbai when I was in sixth grade and my mom's sister's mother-in-law, I call her Ma, she kind of really, really taught me a lot about Jainism, more, not so just as like scriptures, but like the philosophy behind it. What is the reason why? Like, what is the logic? And I think that's where a lot of it clicked for me. And now, um, I, I would say for me, it's a, it's kind of like a moral compass. And I think there are a lot of like, certain values that my parents have always imbibed in me that I think Jainism really reflects. And that's my relationship um, with Jainism today. So I'm just curious, what are some of the things that you've given up for Parishan? 
So um, typically I do the first day and the last day. I don't know how familiar you are with Genesum. Not very. Feel free to. Yeah. So the first and last day I do an abbas, which is like a full 24 hour, no food. And you can only drink water up until sunset. And then uh, when, I, when I'm home, my mom will do like, we can't have anything fresh. There's no, you know, green foods for like the first seven days. When I was in college, it was a little harder to do. And maybe I also didn't make the effort to like go the extra mile. But yeah, I think it's just more than even the food aspect, which is what I think gets the most attention in Jainism. A lot of it is just like mentally, like the amount of fights we're getting into, the kinds of things we crib about how much technology we're consuming. Like, are we really taking the time to like introspect and reflect on like the lifestyle that we're leading? And I think that's been the cooler part is like, as I've gotten older, being able to like think about those aspects of Jainism, which maybe 10 year old Shani was just like over my head. I don't think we can fully even process those things or appreciate those things at that age. So it makes sense that you would appreciate them more as you grew older. So One of the reasons I was really excited to get your perspective on things and the reason I find it really interesting how you're thinking about what it means to be Indian is because of the fact that most of my guests that have been kind of our generation, they've grown up in the U.S., right? Like we haven't really looked at what things are like in India, but you've had that perspective because you've actually lived there. You've lived in Mumbai for a couple of years. So for people that don't know, like You've been vlogging your family vacations since fifth or sixth grade. So it's almost like you were destined to go to the entertainment industry. But you went to Mumbai without any connections, determined to become a Bollywood host, and you ended up doing it with the Asian Variety Show. And so one of my questions about that experience is that as South Asians in America, I feel like we face a lot of barriers and stereotypes. And so like a barrier that I often think about is the fact that My parents did school in India, and so when I needed college advice, they weren't really familiar with the system, so they couldn't advise me there. Or like when people see me, they might assume that I'm not from here because of the color of my skin or something like that. I'm curious, as a quote-unquote American going to India, did you face any of that kind of in the reverse? Oh, yeah. There was no guidance, right? There was no one to, there was no phone a friend like, yo, mom, dad, how do I do this? And My parents are very open from day one. You want to go down this path, we cannot guide you. We cannot help you. We don't know anything. So like, this is going to be the Shivani show. You know, like you're going to have to figure this out. And I think that process in itself, though, that's what helps develop thick skin, right? Like when you step outside of your comfort zone and you do something, it forces you to figure it out and be like, okay, now how am I going to make this work? And I think that learning while, of course, At that time, I would think, man, it would be so nice if I just knew someone, if someone could just tell me, where should I live? How do I get this apartment? How do I take a local train? If you kind of had that helping guide, I look at it now, one year out, two years out, I'm really grateful that I kind of had to do it a little bit of the longer way because I think it just teaches you so much more in that process. I know when I go to India, People can just look at me and they know. <laughs> they yeah. know I'm not from there. <laughs> Was that the case for you? Oh, 100%. I mean, even if I think that, you know, my Hindi is good, there's no doubt there's an accent that comes in the way you just talk and your mannerisms, the overly of like saying thank you and please to like autowala. It's like they're not used to someone saying like, thank you, you know, it's just like, okay, done, you know? 
or like the concept of like tip, you know, Pe- people are so quick to like whiff it out of you. And especially a city like Mumbai, where everyone is so fast paced, moving, there's no time. You know, like they're, they're, it's, they're just a very smart, I would say, audience. I think you also started on the typical med path, right? And you were, yeah. that was kind of your intention. Before you decided to kind of divert, you ended up interning at Whirlpool. And I think I heard PayPal at some point. Yeah. 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 yeah so like what prompted you to even decide to explore and, and then moved you in the direction of moving to Mumbai? Yeah. So take everyone was listening. Take yourself back to like 18 year old Shivani. So I was like dead set. I wanted to become a doctor my whole life. It was not like a parents are holding a gun to your head. You need to become a doctor. It was I genuinely thought I'm passionate about this. I'm good at the sciences. It makes a lot of sense. This is this is what I'm gonna do. And I was very like by the book. So all throughout high school, worked at like Case Western. I was doing cancer research. I was doing science fairs. Had the medical mission trip in Peru. Like everything for like your nice resume and so i got in michigan engineering biomedical engineering is what i wanted to do then go to med school was the path and then the summer before i entered my freshman year of college i was like you know what this is the one summer i don't have to do anything for the resume nothing that's science related i should do something like fun so i had already planned to spend two two and a half months in mumbai at my mom's sister's home my massey's home I was going there as a vacation. And during that time, as I was scrolling on Facebook, I think in February of 2014, I just saw that Miss Malini is looking for interns. And my friend showed it to me, my friend Neha. And I looked at it and I was like, yeah, like, what the heck? Like, let me just apply. Like, I'm going to India anyways. I love this company. I, I used to follow them for like Bollywood news and gossip. Let me just apply. And so it's a whole story how I like landed that internship. But finally, it was just like, okay, show up at this office. So why I started exploring it, it just kind of came out of that internship. That internship opened my eyes to something brand new. And then it was just like, okay, wait, like, I I think there's something here. But why I decided to do other internships was I didn't want my entire college experience just to be Bollywood, Bollywood, Bollywood. But that itch definitely started back in 2014. Yeah, I can relate to that pretty deeply. I so I graduated college with a biochem major with an MCAT score, the whole thing. Yeah. And and that was the point where I realized, like, you know, I hadn't really exposed myself to other things. And it sounds like that early exposure was huge for you. Yeah. So then you get there and. You've done some amazing things while you were there as a TV host, you've interviewed Shah Rukh Khan, you were able to visit Yashra's studios. But recently you started a podcast called Behind Every Dream about the messy moments behind people's successes. So I was hoping you could tell us about like one or two of your messy moments during that time period while you were breaking into Bollywood. Oh my God. It's like messy after messy after messy. I I sometimes, I mean, my Instagram stories over my two years in Mumbai, like people saw it all. And I think it was such a, such a crazy time. One messy moment comes to mind. I had landed a advertisement, like a modeling assignment for Coca-Cola. And I was supposed to fly out to like Bangkok. And my mom was in town and I had taken her to the audition. There was like over 400 girls in a room. My mom was just like, what the hell is this? 
one hour into waiting she just left and she's like i'm going shopping like you you deal with this so i did the whole thing did the audition kind of left being like there's no way i'm gonna get this i ended up getting the call like two days later like you've been selected coca-cola thailand like huge huge thing for whatever reason because of the date i was not able to do the shoot so I call up the casting director and I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm going to have to say no. Like, I cannot do this. This man has like yelled at me. Like, you have no idea the repercussions it's going to have on your career. Like, you're going to be permanently blacklisted from any of my castings in the future. And I'm going to call up every other casting director in India and make sure you don't get any work. And, you know, at the time, this is not even a month into me moving. I know two casting directors in India. So when one casting director is telling you they're going to blacklist you to the rest of the industry, I was in tears. I was like, oh my God, like this is, this like it's over. And it's such a relationship driven industry. Like you rub someone the wrong way. And from their perspective, it's like, you know, well, this is a huge opportunity. This is our name on the line. If you say no, it looks like it's, it's a whole like, it's, it's all like games. So anyway, that was one instant where at the time where I was like, great, I'm never going to get a modeling shoot in my life. And yeah, that, that was a messy moment. I think another messy moment during an interview, I had asked, and I think people sometimes think, you know, these interviews happen the way me and you are talking where it's just like one-on-one. But when these volume interviews happening, like there are at least like minimum to minimum 50, 60 people in the room that are watching you and that are seeing, you know, what's going on, the other teams. So it's a lot of pressure, right? And I'm obviously younger compared to a lot of the other hosts in the industry. So I pressed one actor and I won't, I won't say the name, but I pressed an actor and I kind of asked them how they landed this role. And it was in relation to nepotism. I didn't really like use the word nepotism, but I was kind of like probing because I was like, I, I want to ask, like, you know, like, what is your take on this whole situation? And the PR person just walks right in front of the camera in front of the actor and actress that I, I said this for and was like, cut the interview right now. Like you have 30 seconds, wrap it up, like we're done. And my TV crew is looking at me and they're like, what have you done? Because I'm supposed to get content. I'm supposed to get at least 12 minute interview, like 12 minutes and like you're doing well. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to hear a full yelling from my boss. This is bad. This PR person hates me. Now, this PR people, they manage a bunch of other movies. It's not just this movie. So you rub them off the wrong this way. Your next 10 interviews, they might not even give you the slot. They might be like, we don't want to give Shivani even two minutes the next time because she asked these questions. Now, I was not trying to stir the pot. It was like a genuine. And again, it comes into the fact that today, if a... Rajiv Masandar and Anubhav Machopra asked that same question, it probably would have been fine. Like, it wasn't even, like, rude. It really wasn't anything crazy. But because you're, like, a young girl from not as an established TV organization, the politics behind that, I think that was um, another messy moment that comes to mind. But this whole an hour could be, like, on the messy moments of my life. How did you get over a bad day or, like, a bad moment like that? I can't imagine going there and then one of two casting directors is already pissed off at you. Yeah, I mean, I I was I was on a bathroom floor crying. Like I was so upset because I was just like this is great and it's like out of my control and what's going to happen. But I think again, um there's kind of like a 
you have to be a little fearless, I think, in Mumbai. Like, this is just one. Like, I mean, there are incidents of, like, someone running after me with a knife. Like, safety issues. So many things that I can build upon. And I think you have to have a little bit of, like, that fearlessness or guts to just be like, this is all part and parcel of it. And you kind of just have to keep moving and, like, keep your head up high. So, like, yes, does it knock you down? And do you feel like for a week you're sulking and you're like, what am I going to do now? Yeah, but then I also realized how privileged and how lucky I am to be able to do what I was doing there that, like, I can't let that one thing derail me from not keep pushing forward. That person running after you with the knife, that wasn't the same PR agent, was it? Oh, no, no, no. Separate That's incident. a whole other story. <laughs> okay. That is like, uh, sure. That was the one time I called up my, my mom after, and I think my mom told my dad, and my mom was just like, okay like this is crazy like you need to like everything else my mom has always just been like it's fine it's fine it's fine my mom was born and raised in new york definitely has a lot more of like a fight through mentality the nice story she was just like okay this is crazy (laughs) (laughs) so one of the things that you talk about on the podcast is the importance of the process and not the result is that something that you had developed over that time or did you kind of have that mindset going into mumbai Because it sounds like it was pretty crucial while you were there. I think it's always kind of been in my DNA. And maybe it's, I've always loved like taking videos and, you know, even making travels. And I've always just liked showing the behind the scenes. Yeah, I I don't really know where it came from. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians. But I don't know if that was like an influence of just like seeing the mess behind like the glam and just coming from a big fat Indian family. and seeing a lot of relationships and visiting cousins and family and you kind of you just I've always been like a people's like observer and I love like watching and seeing like you know how does this person react to this and I've always found it really entertaining and I think going in it wasn't like I decided consciously like now I'm going to switch on like this I think I've always kind of had that knack and with social media and I opened my Instagram account in 2014. So I think since that time, it's kind of been a part of who I am. It sounds like you were doing what you enjoyed anyway. So the process came naturally. Yeah, I I don't think it was like a conscious like now I'm going to show it. I think what used to bother me is many times people would just conclude, oh, you only got this internship because this person made a phone call for you. Oh, you only got this because you can speak like this. Or people would just come to these conclusions and I'd be like, well, actually, I don't blame them. They're not seeing how this all happened. So it's very easy to be like, oh, yeah, they were an overnight success. And that would bother me. But my way of kind of answering was then showing the behind the scenes like, yo, there's actually a lot more to it. And you can still make your assumption and still make your judgments and it still happens. But at least I think for my own mental piece, I know that the work that I put in is also out there, even for myself. So I kind of want to ask the flip side then. We talked about some of the struggles or the harder moments, but what were, especially now that you're looking back from a few years out, what were some of your favorite moments while you were there? Oh my God, so many. Um, I mean, my favorite moment that comes to mind for me was the biggest career high was interviewing Shah Rukh Khan. And I think, my entire obsession, if I think about Bollywood, why I wanted to move to India, like it all kind of roots back to the way 
कभी खुशी कभी गम कुछ कुछ होता है दिलवाल दुहनिया दिए जाएंगे हाउ दो फिल्म्स मेड मी फील एंड इट वाज हेवीली यू नो बिकॉज ऑफ शाहरुख खान सो बीइंग एबल टू हैव ए कॉन्वर्सेशन लाइक वेयर ही इज सिटिंग फोर फीट इन फ्रंट ऑफ मी एंड सेइंग माय नेम एंड वेयर हैविंग अ कॉन्वर्सेशन विद मी एंड यू वर हैविंग वाज जस्ट लाइक वाओ लाइक दिस इज सो कूल दैट वाज डेफिनेटली अ बिग हाई आई थिंक seeing myself on a billboard was also like very cool to just be like whoa just simple simple things like being able to like set up my apartment by myself and find the whole thing and find the movers and clean it and renovate it and kind of do it as a one woman show it was so so fulfilling and i i felt really really proud of myself in a lot of those moments yeah that's crazy to think about cuz i guess you're you're hitting all these career milestones but at the same time you had just left college so you were hitting a lot of the same life milestones that everyone else is as well yeah i think during that time a lot of my friends started out in fantastic corporate jobs right out of college and you're spending your weekends like going to boozy brunches and going out and like you're having like the best time in the city and for me my experience in mumbai was a little different because you're not earning like as well you're barely staying afloat I, I, when i say barely staying afloat i don't mean to be that dramatic it's just like i'm not being able to provide for my like to my retirement fund like you're not the amount you could earn in the us in a corporate job is nowhere near what i was earning when i first moved to mumbai so i think those comparisons would definitely be like oh like have i made the right decision but then when i would look at a lot of the career highs there's no where no way else like that could have happened unless i had taken that risk so again i think it's all about weighing out the pros and the cons so you talked about kind of demystifying the behind the scenes for your own process right like that's a big part of where vlogging comes in i'm curious what your experience was like sitting across from these actors that you'd seen in the movies was it did you feel similarly like were you were they kind of being demystified as you got to know them no doubt i think you see them in a very different light and you're like oh wait they're real human beings with an equal number of problems if not more problems than you have and they're flawed they're not like these perfect people and i think it just it brings everything down a notch and Am I still a huge fan girl at heart? Yeah, like today if an actress walked into a restaurant and I saw them, I would be the first person up at them being like, "Hi, can I get a selfie?" Like even if I've met them, like I am that kind of a person. So I don't think the charm or the glamour for me is gone. Do I still love Bollywood despite knowing a lot of this behind the scenes stuff? Yeah, and I've experienced it too. But I think for me it's a lot of um I just I feel like when you when you interact with them on a professional capacity, you also become a lot more empathetic towards them. And I think for me that started back in 2014 even when I was working um and I was blogging and I was interviewing them more for like print interviews or I'd go to these mass trailer launches and they'd answer at like bigger bigger press conferences. I think when you then see a lot of the shit that's been said about them or you're like, "Oh, he's so overrated. Like how did she get into it? How did she get this job?" and a little part of me feels a little defensive I'm like you have no idea like they're also real human being like going through a divorce like going through something difficult that's not cool and i think you start to kind of humanize them a little bit more 
So, Shivani, it may shock people that you decided to come back to the U.S. And I know you've kind of talked about why before, but could you briefly share on here as well? Of course. So when I moved to India full time, there was truly a part of me that thought I might love it and want to live here the rest of my life. Like I went in very 50-50, unsure of whether I saw myself in the U.S. long term or India long term. And I had come home six months after moving to India for Thanksgiving that year. And we kind of all go around and we had this question that was asked, what's been your favorite memory of this year? And my turn came and my answer was this moment right here where all 10, 14 of us are all in the exact same room together. Like this is in my best memory of the year and whatever we went on. And then I was just, I kept thinking about it and I was like, you know, all of these really, really cool things have happened. Like I'm in a magazine, billboard, interview, these highs. But my answer was still like my family being in one room was my favorite memory of the year. And I kind of just kept thinking about it as like, if I know what my favorite moments in my life are and like what truly brings me the most happiness, why am I only having two of those days in a year? Like, why am I not maximizing the number of those kinds of days in my life? And I sat back on a plane back to India um, and there was a woman sitting next to me and she was kind of telling me her whole life story and she was telling me about like her kids and her entire conversation just even with her kind of just reassured me and I kind of took it as a sign like wait like I think I'm I think I'm missing something and I think so often we go through life thinking that you leave home and you do the thing for 20 years and your parents get old and then at 60 then they move back in and like that's when you start to think about parents and family and I was like well if I know that at 23 why am I waiting 40 years till I'm 60 to like then think about this? And I have one brother. I don't have like multiple siblings. For me, it's like I want my future kids to grow up with my brother's future kids. And if I'm living in India, it's only going to happen like once a year, you know? So I think, again, it was kind of a pros and cons. I think family was then a big driver. I think secondly, from a career perspective, I loved what I was doing. Could I do what I was doing for another five years, 100%? But there were a lot of cons in the industry also that made me realize this might not be as sustainable of a lifestyle as I think I'd like it to be. You know, maybe at 23, I can deal with a lot of this BS and a lot of this unpredictability and lack of stability. But when I'm like 30, will I really be wanting to deal with this? I don't know. So I think that was a big factor. And then thirdly, um, my now fiance, Sham, he's always like, why am I the third factor down there? I was like, listen, (laughs) you are one of the three factors. Uh, I think those are the three things that kind of made me realize that I do want to find a way to pivot and take everything that I've learned and done in India and bring it back to the U.S. It's easy to talk about that decision in hindsight, but at the time, was it difficult to make? Yeah, I think there's, again, a lot of noise, a lot of people, my friends within the industry that I'd made that were like, you're just getting started. Like, this is like, you're for the tip of the iceberg. Like, you have no idea. You know, it's only been two years. My parents were kind of just like, you need to be selfish and do what's best for your career. Like, you shouldn't be thinking so much about family at this point. So they were also just like, it's okay, you know, 
of course, there were some people that totally got it and were like, yeah, this makes sense. We told you from the beginning, like, India is not the place to be. You need to be in the U.S. So, I mean, everyone had, like, their different opinions. But I moved back in January of 2020. In March 2020 is when everything kind of went like haywire for everyone around the world. So, in that sense, I feel really glad that I made the decision on my own to move back to the U.S before I had to do it, like, because of COVID, right? Like, for me, that decision wasn't impacted, like, oh, I physically cannot be here. So it seems like family has been just a really strong value for you. I'm curious if you know where that comes from. Where that comes from? Uh, I think it's, like, just the way we've been raised. You know, anything could be hitting the wall you could be as busy as you want but you need to make time for that family dinner like you need to be present and I think my parents I mean hopefully they're not gonna listen to this conversation but they are they're genuinely just they're just like fantastic human beings and I think they did a great job of being able to like hear our opinions hear criticism like have open conversations and for me they've always been really good friends also like they've been of course they've also been very strict and unreasonable and like wanting to pull my hair out of me fight all the time too but I think I also realized like it is so rare to have the relationships and connection that I do with them so I'd be silly to like not be with them I don't know (laughs) I want to kind of pivot to your career now but before we do that there's one other thing that I want to touch on that I feel is a way that you're somewhat non-traditional. You and Sham, you two got engaged at 23. And I feel like nowadays, especially with people in the diaspora, people are getting engaged and married later and later. Now you even have things like dating apps and you're seeing shows like Indian matchmaking. And so romance is coming to the sphere, but it, you know it's just moving later and, and later in the process. So cu- I'm curious about that and like whether that was a tough decision, what went kind of went into it, into the decision to get uh, engaged early on. Yeah, so a few things. I think one, I'm a big believer that as a society, we set so many rules in relationships, right? Like who has to make the first move? How much can you text? What age is the right age to date? Like when can you tell the person you're actually serious about them? Like so many things that I just never got. And I think maybe with the product of, again, seeing a lot of relationships in my life that we're a product of like arranged marriages and knowing someone for like two weeks and being successful and also seeing relationships where they'd known each other for like 15 years and it ended up in a not so happy way. Right. So I never really understood why there were so many rules. So I think, again, it goes back to just being like questioning, like, well, why? Like, yes, maybe majority of my friends will get engaged and happen 27 to 30 and like that sphere of life. But if you know one who the person is two I think if you feel emotionally and like career-wise mature enough to be like I'm ready to kind of take that next step then my logic was well why not just spend more time with that person and kind of grow together and I think there was originally I think a fear where it was like eh are we you know and our career is like set enough and my dad kind of said this to me he's like it is such a beautiful thing to be able to grow 
together, like in that journey where you start from one point and you grow together to that second point. And I think it kind of just goes back to this whole like journey aspect for me is not necessarily starting your relationship where you're settled. It's okay to have bumps, like bumps are going to happen even 10 years and not like bumps just go away at 30. And then you're like, you know, you move on with life. That's, I think, a part of any relationship. And at any phase of life. And then I think third for me, um, touch what I'm really blessed to have all four grandparents of mine alive. And I'm the oldest grandchild on both sides of my family. And it was just been really uh, important to me that if they're able to see me get married and be a part of like that milestone, why, why delay it? COVID then delayed it, but the intention was not, was not to delay it. It gave you a little bit more time for the wedding planning, I suppose. Yeah. I think in that sense, I mean, both of us have been so lucky to spend this last year with our family, with my grandparents. Like, it's time I would have never gotten otherwise. Like, I have been out of the home since I was 18. Like, I've never interned in Cleveland. I never spent a summer here. Like, since I left, I've been out. I've not been here for more than, like, two weeks. So, spending now over a year in this home, I mean, it's... I look at it kind of as a blessing. So Shivani, I want to pivot back to your career then, because you've now moved back to the U.S. And so you have this task of translating a career in Bollywood into something in the U.S. And it seems like, from my perspective, you're kind of doing it in two ways, both as an influencer and as an entrepreneur. And so I kind of want to start by digging into the first category. So as an influencer. So in the past, you had celebrities and you would kind of You'd see them in movies and TVs, and then you would see them like in interviews where maybe they've rehearsed, so to speak. But now with social media and like influencing, people can see your day to day life. So I'm curious how well you feel people know or understand who you are as a person. A great question. I actually think people, at least the feedback that I hear when I meet people in real life is like, Shani, you are exactly how you appear on social media as you are in real life. And that's a comment that I really, really appreciate because I really try hard to kind of just like be myself. Like I've never had a Finsta or like a separate, you know, Instagram just for friends and family. I till date kind of maybe for the better or for the worse, kind of treat it like a personal diary of sorts. And again, kind of going back to that whole family thing and making sure like I maintain relationships and people kind of know what's going on in my life. Social media for me is a way to be like, okay, like people now know, you know, whether I'm physically on a phone call with them, they're able to see like, oh, this is what Shivani did today. So you kind of feel a little bit of connection to knowing what's happening in her life and whether I was in Mumbai or whether I was in Cleveland or whether I was in New York, I feel like people are able to kind of see that day-to-day version of kind of what's happening. And of course, Social media is still curated. It's impossible for me to show all you all 24 hours and I maybe show two minutes of that on social media. But I love for me, like how liberating it is to kind of just stay and do and be however on social media. Yeah, it's hard to like keep up that face for a long time if it's not authentic, I guess. You know, sometimes it's also easier, you know, for a lot of people who will separate Shivani the human from Shivani the brand. And again, there's no right or wrong. Probably majority of people will tell you for your own mental health, you should separate the two. 
So it's like Shivani is the brand is talks fashion, skincare, and lifestyle. And this is what she does. And so then when someone attacks you and says, wow, Shivani, you're so entitled and you're ugly and you don't have a good work ethic, they're attacking Shivani Bhaskar the brand. They're not attacking Shivani Bhaskar the human being, right? Because they create that separation versus because right now there's, it's very fluid. Talk to me in five years. I'm, I'm curious if it will still be as fluid. A lot of that stuff, sometimes a dusting, right? Because it's coming right at the human being. So I think there's pros and cons. For me, I'm able to kind of, and I said this before, I feel like I'm able to just sleep better at night knowing that I've not pretended to say or to like or to do something that I'm not. But yeah, a lot of ebbs, a lot of flows. It seems like everyone knows you from your engagement video. That's like yeah. one of those things that just went super viral. So I thought it was super funny because I heard in a past interview that sometimes you and Sham will go days without texting or speaking because you're both working. Yeah. And it's not that that's unromantic, but what I think is unique about that or interesting about that is that it might not be what people expect, right? They might be expecting after seeing that video that Sham is like texting you Bollywood lyrics and like that type of thing. So I'm curious, do you ever feel pressure to whether it's with romance or other aspects of your life to fulfill a certain fantasy or fulfill a certain image that people have of you? Yeah, I think in the beginning, right, when you read the comments and you're, it, it, I think it took all of us aback because no one was expecting like this kind of response. Like I, I've said this before, but I wouldn't have uploaded a 28 minute video. Like I would have just kept the Paris part of it, kept it short and sweet if the idea was, Let's upload something for views, you know? I, I, so I think when you start seeing the comments, for Shama and I both, it was just like, whoa, like people are putting us at a pedestal. I don't think we're at. But that's where, again, and maybe I've not done as great of a job on YouTube to kind of dispel it, which I'm really sorry if you follow me on YouTube. I've just been MIA. I don't know what to do with my account. But on Instagram, showing a little bit more again of like the day-to-day and like our goofiness and it's it's kind of a fine line of like how much of your relationship do you kind of want to show and like how both people kind of like again I, I try respecting how public or not people kind of want to be so that's something I think more for our friends and family know like how dysfunctional we can also be I don't think I feel a pressure by any means I think Yes, was that moment in itself larger than life and surreal? 100%. Like, what you see is literally what you got and how I felt. And it was everything and more. But, like, every relationship, of course, there is normalcy. And he's in Michigan and I'm in, uh, I'm in Ohio, man. Like, it's nothing that glamorous. When I look at, like, modern-day media or modern media, it doesn't really cater to a South Asian audience. Homecoming King and Never Have I Ever. These are all like relatively recent pieces of content going out. I think you can count the number of large South Asian influencers probably on two hands, if not maybe two or three hands. So I find it super interesting that you've managed to build a following. I think you're over 100K on YouTube and just shy of 200K on Instagram. So I'm curious, like, how much of your audience is South Asian? And after having started your career in Bollywood, do you feel like you need to kind of cater to that audience? Hmm. 
So yeah, 99.9% of my audience is South Asian. And I love it. It feels like you're at a big Indian party and people can relate and people can just everyone I think feels really comfortable and safe. At least I do when I'm creating content. That's your first question. Secondly, catering towards that audience. So I view my social media kind of like you're following a real human being going through her journey of life. And people who have followed me since I was 18 have seen like 18 year old Shivani like in autos in Mumbai. And like that was that phase to like then seeing her engage, to then seeing her move back to the US, to then see her with her family. And here on out are going to see a real 25 year old girl and her perspectives and her journey in life so in some senses for me it's like you're kind of watching not like a movie unfold but you kind of just see like a real human being's progression and in five years the thoughts that are happening in my head in five years are probably wildly different than the five years before that you know but when it comes to catering to an audience I think a lot of my audience are in a similar phase of life that I'm in right now you know, a lot of that, that age, the percentages are pretty similar. So it, I think there's a lot of parallels that we kind of are all experiencing as we go through life. So I don't think it's like I have to cater to that particular audience. It's just kind of about what's happening in, in what's happening in my brain. Given that 99.9% or whatever percent of your audience is South Asian, do you feel as an influencer, as a content creator, do you feel like you have the creative freedom to kind of go outside of those realms and to create freely? Or do you feel like as you're posting, as you're making new content, there needs to be some undertone of, you know, that South Asian side of your personality? Hmm. So I actually don't feel restricted in that sense at all. And maybe people think it feels super South Asian because as a personality, I am super South Asian. But I jokingly say this, that I never started social media or Instagram to become an influencer. I think that life kind of chose me. Like I have not made a dollar from social media till I hit a certain number on Instagram. And I've been very, very candid about that stuff. Like for me, it's always been just sharing thoughts, perspectives, things on my brain value that I would like to see more of on the internet help walk if someone else wants to go into like become a Bollywood TV show host I want to be able to show you the steps of how to do it someone else is shopping for an Indian wedding I want to show you like okay these are some options you can create someone else is dealing with acne that I dealt with two years ago here are some things that work for me someone just wants some light entertainment because I wanted to just create this memory with my grandmother and like do a dumb dance together that's why I create it. Like it, I don't feel like versus maybe some content creators again are like, okay, you are a musician. People follow you for your music. So now if you want to start writing poetry, no one's going to follow you because you are a musician. I feel like when I look back at it, people follow me because I'm a human being. So today I want to post a thought about, I don't, think twice right now about like what is Shivani Bhasma the brand like why are her followers following her for me it's like I'm doing this for me you know like if you like it great and if you don't like it that's also great you know <laughs> like I, I don't think I feel restricted in that sense yeah that makes sense and it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier of 
you're just posting your journey and people are kind of following along. Exactly. So it really is just, yeah. So when you look at translating that into entrepreneurship, so I'm thinking about like Bafna Agency, for example, how does that translation work? Because you're taking your experience from building Shivani Bafna, which is really posting about you, to now creating a platform to kind of empower South Asian influencers. Yeah. So my agency, first and foremost, represents businesses and helps them with their influencer marketing. So even from a business perspective, right, how do you add human connection to a business product? It's via working with influencers and adding a sense of usability and a real user experience to your marketing. So for me, it's always been about how can you find the right human beings to elevate your brand's mission? And maybe that's working with Shivani Bhavna. Maybe it's not. Maybe you need a different influencer that kind of brings out that aspect and their personality into it. So that's where I would say the agency kind of ties into just bringing about more of those like authentic experiences, that cultural connection, and that human being's like quirks and thought processes, you know, in life. Now that we're kind of looking at the entrepreneurial side, can you also talk to me about Behind Every Dream? Because I know it is a podcast, but it seems like it's growing into something more. Maybe it already has. Yeah. I think everything is kind of in the works. And again, it's been a huge, huge, huge learning for me. But Behind Every Dream, for me, is kind of just like that, that cozy spot on the internet that celebrates everything I love at a much more concentrated level, right? So while I share the behind the scenes of my life on social media, of course, I'm sharing glam shots too. And I'm sharing cool experiences and cool highs also. Behind Every Dream is kind of a place to centralize all of the messy moments of all of our lives. Like today, Shivani Bhavna, me as a human, I'm experiencing messy. You're experiencing messy in your life. And my accountant friend is experiencing messy in his life. My doctor friend is experiencing messy in her life, right? But where is that one place where we can all celebrate a lot of these behind the scenes moments? And for me, more than even like a online page, it's kind of just the way we even show up offline, the way we each show up on Instagram. And I, I'll, I'll tell people, right? Like today, if I was to scroll through your Instagram, what are three things that I'd learn about you, right? So I'd say, okay, he runs this podcast. He went to Michigan. Um, he lives in North Carolina. Well, there's three things that I can deduce from your social media. But there are probably three other things in your real life that I'm unable to do from your social media because you're not sharing all this other behind the scenes. And it's not necessarily that you have to share everything on social media, but just being aware that every per single person on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook, on YouTube, on any platform in real life also has their own behind every dream moment. And like knowing that so that we can, I think, all feel more reassured that we're all in the same boat. I love that because it's like the exact, it's not necessarily the exact opposite of what social media is, but it's the exact opposite of how social media kind of shows up today. Yes. And I, I feel like it's something that I have been preaching, I think, since I moved to India, like in 2018, and just always feeling like no one shows the shit in this industry. Like, okay, I landed an internship in this Malini. Someone's going to be like, wow, that's so cool. How did you do it, Shivani? Where is the answer to that? That's what I want to be able to share. 
oh, Siobhan, you land this really cool good at AVS. Okay, I want to show you that there were like seven internships before that, me working for my boss's friend's company, thinking that he would give me a good review. To, like all of that stuff, that is your behind every true moment. And today, someone's going to listen to this podcast and be like, wow, this is a really cool conversation. I wonder how he got Shivani on this podcast and how he got this conversation. And no one's going to see that we rescheduled this at 3 a.m. and then you edited this and then this happened. Right? No one gets to hear about that. But like that's the meat of your grind to create this into a killer episode so to anyone listening to this or it's a scrolling and just feels like man all this good is happening in her life or man i'm so jealous like that happened and why isn't it happening for me everyone has had their fair share of like bumps you know to make that glam happen so shivani i have two more questions before i ask where people can find you the first is that you're doing all these things. And then we've also talked about the importance of family to your life and such. So what does balance look like for you? Uh, what does balance look like for me? I wish I had a profound answer for you. I am not good. Actually, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take that back. I don't have a formula for how to create balance because it any given moment, I am giving one thing more important than the other. Right now, I'm doing this podcast, and I could be on Slack right now, responding to messages and on Canva and making these graphics and doing something else. So I think every single day, I will set a to-do list and be like, what are the things that I need to get done? And inevitably, does something always get neglected? Like There are a few things right now that have been on my to-do list for like the last two weeks. And I'm using everything in my willpower to not address those three things. I'm just like, I'll do it next month. I'll do it next month. I'll do it next month. And it's an art. Like no one has it down to the T. And yeah, I think for me, balance is just taking it one day at a time and being like, what do I need to get done? And hoping that I can execute it's dynamic, right? Like, I, I really like that answer because I was on vacation a couple of days ago, like the last few days. And so I didn't do the research for this show until I got back. And so I was up late last night, but that was just the balance that I kind of chose. Exactly. And in that moment, I mean, you prioritize creating memories and like being present and enjoying your vacation, which you also should do. But then there's also sometimes that voice in your head like, man, if I'd been a little bit more planned, I could have just done everything 2020, 2020. It wasn't like this last minute thing. I'm someone like everything I feel like is very extremes. Like everything is sometimes just happening in extremes. But listen, I think you do what works for you. And yeah, maybe with age, both of us will develop better habits. Fingers crossed. So... The last question I have for you is, what is the Shivani Bhakna legacy? And maybe that'll change over time. But what, what right now in this moment, like, what is the legacy that you're aiming for? You're asking the loaded questions, man. Um, <laughs> things that I have not thought about. What is the Shivani Bhakna legacy? Another way I could ask that is, like, what is driving you in this moment to do the things that you're doing, you know, to continue posting content as an influencer, to start opening these businesses, to spend time with your family? So the Shivani Vasana legacy, I think, is building a world in which people feel 
confident and fearless to be authentically themselves, like being your crazy self, your weird self, your like overly ambitious or overly like content self, right? And finding a way to go against the grain, even if it feels super, super scary. And embracing all of those emotions and going through life because I think so often we look back at our legacy right and we'll only pick out like five or ten moments and be like yeah I got that new job and then I had a kid and then I sent that kid to college and like we look back at our legacy at like these big big moments when in reality our legacy is in all of these little 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 days that make us like who we are today and who we remember each other as and more than even building that legacy like for myself if I can even translate that thought into a few hundred people like for me that is like fulfillment in itself knowing that someone feels good about where they are at 22 you know like I think sometimes it's scary to think about our legacy when we're like oh that's not going to happen till I'm 70 and that's going to have the most impact when it's like you're putting in those pieces right now in the way you're showing up and what you're doing in life right now, even if it's not going against the grain. Like you, I'm now rambling, but I just feel like we sometimes glamorize these really obscure jobs and wow, Shani's doing something so cool because it's off the beaten path. And it's like, you can do something equally as glamorous. Like a stable paycheck is glamorous having work-life balance where you turn off your email at 5 p.m., that is also glamorous. And realizing that all of us have a legacy, even if it's not obscure. I don't know if that made sense. Yeah, it did. So on a, on a previous episode, we talked about how, you know, this podcast recently won an award, for example. And, and I was talking to a Michelin star chef about like the moment when she got her star. Yeah. Right. And it's like, those things are obscure and like elusive to us. But when you're that person, because you've been through the process to reach that moment, when you get that award, it feels like normal. Yeah, I don't even know if it's, it's normal. Of course, everyone feels high and you should celebrate your successes too. But I have this voice like when I am, so many times I'm just sitting in my bed and I'm scrolling for hours. And I'm like, I look like shit, feel like shit. Like, what do I do? What do I create? What do I say now? Like, what's something new I can talk about? Like, I'm so like, you're in in your head. And there was that voice that's like, you know what, like, this is a part of the process. And if everyone kind of gets that voice where like, in those moments, you just realize like, yes, you're not happy, you are miserable, you have fought with someone, you said something you shouldn't have. But you know what, this is a part of the process of like our relationship. This is a part of the process for my career. This is a part of the process for like my self growth journey, like everything if you can like rewire your brain to think that like, this is all good. I think it just like leads to more um, contentment with your own legacy. Shivani, like I said, you're doing a lot of amazing things, the types of things that I could only expect from a Michigan alum. <laughs> so, <laughs> so where can people find and follow your work online? You can find me on Instagram at Shivani underscore Bafna. You can find me at YouTube, Shivani Bafna. And you can find me in Brexville, Ohio right now, living my best investor in life. That's the way it goes. Thank you for coming on. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. I can't believe it's been it's 
spend an hour talking. It didn't feel like that. Hey, it's Suraj. If you enjoyed today's show, check out the show notes on brownpeoplewenow.com for more content around today's guest. If you want to support the show, share this episode with a friend or follow us on Instagram at BPWK Podcast. Thank you. Talk to you soon.